Well, uh, it's a little bit, tiny, a little bit warmer today in Lanasia, but I think maybe we've just been lulled into a false sense of security here. Mm. Ooh, there's a very cutting wind cutting across the little town here. Cross old man fats blowing up the, the mists as the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. And it's cold all the way across the country. Well, alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala is keeping things hot in other places. Well, uh, the uh, the South African Rand in particular is uh, still continuing its uh, remarkable um, performance against all of the major currencies. It's uh, quite incredible, uh, quite amazing to watch. Not really sure what, what is behind it, if it really is, uh, you know, the trade war between America and China. I don't know, there's worries about, uh, you know, um, Third World War blowing up in uh, the Strait of Hormuz. Uh, just off the coast of Iran. Uh, international markets, all oh, pretty cool today. Uh, JSE kind of like uh, following the form, uh, down 1.14%, uh, the all share index on 58,012.18. The top 40 index is on 51,960.58, down 0.25% on the day. Um, you know, it's the gold price is going up. It's helping South Africa, it's helping the Rand. The Rand is seen as a gold currency. Um, uh, whether or not, you know, it should be seen as a gold currency is another matter. But, uh, you know, people say that it is seen as a gold currency. And people think about South Africa, they think gold. They think, well, half of all of the world's gold has been mined out of that country. Well, if the gold price is going up, the Rand must be going up. And so it does. Uh, although, you know, we've only got 4 million ounces of gold in, in our uh, reserve bank reserves. I think it's worth about $5 billion, one of the smallest little gold reserves in anywhere in the world. Uh, and we produced half of all the gold that it was ever produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, the rand is a 14.05 against the dollar, uh, 17.68 against the pound, and 15.85 against the euro. At the same time, gold is holding well, up above 1,400 mark. People are saying that, no, no, it's going up too fast. It's not going to, it's, it's an unsustainable trajectory and so on. But, you know, uh, how can you judge what is a sustainable trajectory when you don't know how long the U.S. trade war with China is going to go on? You don't know what the effects are going to be. Uh, and everywhere around the world, you see investors sitting on the sidelines of the stock exchanges, um, twiddling their thumbs, um, sitting on their hands and twiddling their thumbs. That's, that, that, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that, that's quite a feat. It's amazing what these traders can get up to, huh? Um, <clears throat> So anyway, everyone's sitting around waiting for some kind of direction to come from somewhere, and it's not happening. And, uh, well, there's old Donald Trump. He's trying to push up the oil price because he needs his uh, frackers in the United States. They need the oil price above $60 a barrel in order to hit profitability. And, of course, Texas uh, sweet crude is uh, on $54 a barrel. So that means that they've got to go and sell the oil overseas to make a profit. Uh, and that is while OPEC is like agreeing to an output cut while the America keeps on pumping at full bore. 
really is a crazy situation. Um, even Russia, which uh, shouldn't be part of the whole thing and claims that they can uh, do quite comfortably off a $40 a barrel oil price, uh, they also agreeing to the cuts while watching America go and uh, steal their traditional markets. But even as Donald Trump manages to force all of his buddies in OPEC to uh, cut back on, on oil production in order to help his economy, while he goes and increases oil sales internationally to hurt everyone else's economies. And of course, uh, the higher oil price also means that any country that is importing oil, like South Africa or even China for that matter, uh, will be paying more and will find uh, a, a growth just that little bit harder. Um, yeah, even, even as he uh, agree, gets everyone to agree to output cuts, so the oil price falls instead of going up, because then everyone says, no, but this U.S.-China trade war is going to cut back on global growth, and that means people are going to be using less oil. Uh, so as a result of that, the oil price is dropping, uh, even as uh, Donald Trump is doing his best to try and push it up. It's currently, I think, around about $60 a barrel. Very strange. Okay, well, um, big winners on the JSE today, AB InBev, uh, that's uh, former South African breweries. Uh, Northam, a platinum miner, also was one of the big winners yesterday. In fact, it was the biggest winner yesterday, Harmony Gold. Uh, it's a, almost a boutique gold company nowadays, isn't it? Strange. Uh, is the third biggest winner, Sabanya, another gold producer in fourth place, and Bats, that's a British American tobacco. Always a, always a good dividend payer is British American tobacco. If you don't have a conscience, you can buy those tobacco shares, and uh, they tell you like a year beforehand what kind of dividend you're going to be getting uh, uh, on every quarter. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite incredible. Uh, Vivo, uh, that's the Shell service station retailer in the rest of Africa, excluding South Africa, is the biggest loser today, along with Anglo, that's just Anglo-American. Fortress B, Trueworths, and Supergroup are the other big losers on the JSE today. Coming up in the show, uh, if we have time, you know, we're always running out of time on the show, never actually get through everything that we hope to get through. Um... We have business confidence in South Africa is on the up in, in, in the last month. What kind of affordable cars are safe to buy? We look at affordability versus uh, safety features. Uh, the Automobile Association did a survey recently. The results are out. JSE trade values declined by 40% in the first half, but the JSE is also one of the worst, one of the top performing stock exchanges in the world at the same time. So trade values go down. Uh, 40% in the first half of the year. But uh, the first half of the year, the JSE is one of the top performing stock exchanges in the world. So how do you reconcile those two things? Uh, how does that make sense? We'll be having a look at that a little bit later in the show. Price Waterhouse Coopers jump ship at the stricken uh, Group 5 uh, construction company. That's as, uh, as half of its board has disappeared. Uh, it even, doesn't even have a chief financial officer, so the auditors are asking, well, how the heck are we supposed to sign off on the results? Mm-hmm. Could be there's a lot of funny stuff going on at G5 at the moment. Uh, U.S. trade deficit jumps in May. That's as uh, Donald Trump is like forcing uh, tariffs on the Chinese imports. And the U.S. ends up importing even more <laughs> out of China than before. It looks as though the United States is paying for the trade deficit, is paying for the, for the um, tariffs that is imposed on Chinese imported goods. Tesla is up 8%. That's the, the electric car company, which is owned by Elon Musk, a former uh, Pretoria-born businessman. Um, with Old Mutual, 
has a look at the United States-China trade war. If we'll have time, we'll be looking at that in the second half of the show. And also, very interesting mining developments in the Northern Cape. It would be nice to have a look at that if we have time. All right, well then, let's get on with it, shall we? Business confidence uh, slightly up in June, but it's still lower than it was a year ago. The Chamber of Commerce and Industry Business Confidence Index uh, rose to 93.3 in June from 93 in May. It has been below 95 for the past five months. In the same period in 2018, it was at 93.7, so we're just uh, slightly below. But nevertheless, you know, even as uh, South African growth is is falling off, so business confidence is showing an uptick. This has got the people at the chamber scratching their heads. Um, uh, They usually issue an explanation when they issue their report, but this time they're taking a few days off. And uh, they say they'll issue an explanation come Friday. Vast majority of entry-level cars in South Africa fall short when it comes to safety. That's according to the Automobile Association Entry-Level Vehicle Safety Report. Only four of 27 entry-level vehicles. So this is uh, vehicles that are basically worth 180,000 rand or less. Uh, uh, had safety affordability levels that were regarded as acceptable. Only four out of 27 makes of car in the affordability car um, category, 180,000 rand or less, new car. Uh, Only four of them are regarded as being acceptably safe by the AA. Uh, It says that basic safety features considered in the report included electronic stability control, ABS anti-locking braking systems, the number of airbags in the car. Points were also avoided if the car had been crash-tested. According to the AA, the Safety Affordability Index considered the safety features in the car compared to its affordability. Four entry-level vehicles with acceptable safety affordability levels were the Volkswagen Take-Up, Renault Sandero, 66 kilowatt uh, turbo expression, uh, Toyota's uh, Ego 1-liter, and the Smart 4-2. Further 15 vehicles were ranked in the moderate category, while eight vehicles were in the poor category in the Safety Affordability Index. Which vehicles were those? Those eight vehicles in the poor category, Datsun Go Plus, 1.2 Lux, Kia's Picanto, a one-liter start, Nissan NP200, the JMC 4x2 boarding, Kia Picanto MT one-liter style, the GWM M4, the Nissan Micra Active 1.2-liter Vizier, and the Haval uh, H1. I must admit, you know what, um, <clears throat> I've never really kind of like I thought of myself as like, you know, a, a great kind of like car guy. I've never been a guy to go buy SA motoring or something like that, you know. And uh, basically, as long as my car's got petrol in it, that's about as far as I'm interested in its performance. Every now and then it starts making funny noises, I'll go and I'll take it to a mechanic. Uh, I do know what kind of make of car I've got. Uh, I do kind of like recognize like that's a Toyota and that's a BMW and so on. But in terms of interesting cars, that's about as far as it goes. So I'm afraid I'd, uh, half of those cars that fall into the poor category, I'd, uh, I'd, I mean, I recognize Kia, I recognize, I recognize Datsun, but JMC 4x2 boarding, never heard of it. Huh? Hmm? The GWM M4, never heard of that either. Uh, the Vizier and the Haval H1, Sorry, I don't know. It sounds like it comes from the moon. Now, the JSE brought out its uh, annual report today uh, saying that the value of reported equity trades on the JSE slumped nearly 40% in the first half of 2019. 
Sounds really terrible, doesn't it? This comes as foreign investors shy away from the uh, South African stocks as uh, the domestic economy uh, continues in sharp contraction. And the JSE is contending with new competition in the form of low-cost exchange A2X markets and other newcomers. The value of reported share trades uh, fell 39.5%. They fell by 86.2 billion rands in the six months to end June. Uh, the number of reported trades halved. People are not as active and they're not paying as much money. So that means, you know, the, the, the JSE makes money as long as the, the, the JSE is active. doesn't matter whether the JSE is going up or down. They don't mind. As long as people are buying and selling shares, the traders are making their, their commission. Uh, so that's basically, that's the JSE's money. So when uh, the, the, the JSE activity declines, oh boy, well then that's when um, the JSE starts hurting. Together with trades executed via the Exchange's Central Order Book, uh, total trade values fell at 17.3% in the first half of the year. Meanwhile, net sales of JSE-listed shares by foreign investors totaled at 29.8 billion rand, compared to net inflows of 17.5 billion rand in the first half of last year. But foreigners were net buyers of local bonds in the first half of the year, after being net sellers a year before. That's because uh, bonds in the United States, uh, everyone is piling into them. And, uh, you know, as, as the trade war takes off and as, you know, the Third World War is possibly happening in, uh, with Iran, you know, all of these kind of scary things have people saying, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's go and buy U U.S. Treasuries. So as demand for U.S. Treasuries increases, uh, so the, the discount on the bond uh, also decreases. So you see, you make money off bonds as long as, uh, according to the size of the discount, you go and you buy, like, say, a, an R250 bond that sells for 250 rands. Uh, you'll get a discount in South Africa around about 8%. 250, 8%, that's for, um, 4 rand, 8 rand, that's 10 rand discount. Uh, you'll be paying um, 240 rand for that. So when you buy it from the, from, uh, from the Reserve Bank, you will get, uh, you'll pay 250 Rand for your R250. You'll pay one, two, you'll pay 240 Rand for the 250 bond. So you've got a, you've got like a, a 10 Rand discount. Uh, so now, as say people don't like see the bond, the bonds is doing very well. The South African government is getting a little bit dodgy, a little bit dodgy. Hey, look, you know what? Hey? Um, 20 years ago, the discount on South African bonds was around 13, 14%. So we, 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 we're actually still like a, a lot better than we were 20 years ago. Uh, interesting little aside there. Uh, but, uh, you know, as uh, global trade conditions uh, start getting a little bit hairy, people go and climb into U.S. Treasuries. And so the discount on U.S. Treasuries declines as well. So that means that the profit people are making out of U.S. Treasuries is also shrinking. So, you know, as that starts hurting people and then they start looking for yield and they're not getting much yield in interest rates either, uh, you know, usually they would, they would work opposite, but in the United States or not. Uh, inflation uh, is around about 2%, and uh, here, you know, so um, interest rates are around about 2.75%, and Donald Trump wants them to come down. He's disappointed a whole lot of new guys onto his monetary policy board, and they are all doves, apparently. So, I mean, this is the reason why the dollar is weakening, uh, and it's why the rand is strengthening. 
And uh, it's why the bond dealers in the United States are saying, crumbs, guys, we're stuck on like 2% and, and, and it's shrinking. You know, it starts really squeezing hard. And that's why they put into the South African bonds. Because you've got an 8% yield here. That's great, you know, that's fantastic. They like that. Uh, so they'll buy at that 8%. Think of it. It's like 600% higher than what you can get in the United States. 600%. That's a heck of a big difference if you're a bond trader. So, um, you know, as things, uh, but then, of course, there's other things you have to maintain in, in also all of these sorts of things. This is why, you know, the carry trade, I keep on saying that the carry trade is for, is for suckers. Um, and uh, the South Africa is the biggest sucker because we have to maintain high interest rates here in South Africa in order to attract the carry trade into our country. Um, so you have like a 0% interest rates in Europe and Japan, 2.75 in America. So our 6.75% uh, uh, repo rate, so it's like a 9.75% of the interbank rate. And anyone who goes and gets a higher purchase uh, here in South Africa buying on credit, uh, you're looking at between 21-25% is what you're paying. So we've got a really high interest rate environment here. Consumers aren't well looked after. And so that like draws all of the vampires, all of the zombie investors into South Africa. So, uh, you know, where we are able to pay off our trade deficit, government is able to spend like crazy, and um, the trade deficit is, is covered. The, the, the government then encourages the Reserve Bank to keep interest rates high because, um, you know, keeps, uh, in, helps keep inflation higher. Importing oil and importing machinery and technology into South Africa is a very expensive process. You know, you get all this technology, you put it into Madupi, and then you, you can't really pay for it, and you try and disguise the fact through um, corporate bonds. But anyway, yeah, that's getting on maybe a little bit too complicated. But see, like, uh, like take, for instance, you are someone uh, in, in, in Switzerland, and uh, you've got a whole lot of platinum in a hole in, underneath a mountain. You're like one of those investors, you see. You dig platinum out of a hole in the ground in Africa, and you take it to Switzerland, and you put it in a hole in the ground in Switzerland. Hmm? That is economic activity. Yeah. <laughs> the platinum is kind of like wondering what the heck is going on. You know, there has been the depths and the darkness of the earth for millions of years. Deposited there, interestingly enough, by, uh, by um, a meteor crashing into the surface of the earth difference between a meteor and a meteorite. A meteorite is something you see burning in the sky. A meteor is something that smashes into the ground. Um, apparently, platinum doesn't come from the Earth. Platinum is, uh, is a spaceman's um, a metal. Hmm? So, uh, in actual fact, uh, all the platinum in South Africa comes from outer space. Very interesting, isn't that? Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, millions of years ago, apparently, a meteor crashed into the Bushveld Igneous Complex, as it's known nowadays in uh, the northwest, and uh, birthed us this wonderful uh, legacy of platinum. <clears throat> so this platinum sits in the ground uh, for uh, hundreds of thousands, I don't know, millions of years. I don't know how long it's been in the ground there. And uh, it's very quiet and in the dark, and humans come along, dig it out, of one hole in the ground, and uh, they treat it. Um, they, they they pack it, make it all nice and shiny, and the platinum is feeling really good about it. So it's nice and shiny, and it's uh, taken across to Switzerland and put in another hole in the ground. <clears throat> now, why on earth would someone do something like that? 
Well, you see then, because platinum is like gold, it uh, doesn't lose value, it doesn't uh, rust or anything like that. And as long as you've got a platinum in a hole in the ground in Switzerland, you can make money and live the life of Riley for the rest of your life. All you do is you go to a bank and you say, I've got some platinum, I'd like to take out a loan. Now, gold and platinum are the lowest interest-bearing um, uh, things you can have in the world. Um, uh, if you want to take out loans using them as surety, uh, you get the lowest interest rates uh, possible. And so, like, you know, that means you're probably getting a negative uh, interest rate uh, in Europe. So, uh, you, the, the actual, the, the bank pays you to take out a loan. All right. So, uh, you're already making profit. Uh, you take out a loan. Say you take out a hundred rand loan. Uh, you take that hundred rand and uh, you buy single stock futures in the United, in South Africa and you earn 6.75% interest on that. Uh, you keep it here for a few months and you take it back again there, 6.75%. Okay, but now what happens if uh, the euro, you take out your loan in euros hmm? and, uh, and then the euro declines, euro increases in value in that period when your, your, your investment in single stock futures is in South African rands. Uh, that is going to diminish uh, your profit when you eventually cash in your single stock future. What if the price of platinum falls in this period as well? That means, uh, you know, the, your loan is going to become more expensive. So you see, uh, you find yourself uh, playing a game. It's a Reba game, you know. In the end, everybody really loses. Um, you know, you've got to watch uh, the commodity prices going up and down. You've got to watch uh, interest rates going up and down. You've got to watch currency values going up and down. But this is the easiest thing in the world, you know, for a while. And then suddenly it can change and can catch everyone uh, completely unawares and it works against you. But anyway, so, so now the JSE has a show, seen a 40% decline in the value of trades in the first half of the year. And yet at the same time, in the first half of the year, the South African Johannesburg Stock Exchange has been one of the champion stock exchanges in the world, bringing in a return of around about 10% uh, increase in stock values in the same period. So what does that tell you? That uh, the best performing stock exchange in the world has got local investors sitting on the sidelines not putting the money in hmm? isn't that crazy isn't that like a fantastic opportunity missed why are these are these people not investing hmm? because of prejudice because of fear because of uncertainty largely driven by um, the local government's indecision, policy uncertainty, uh, even even ability even implement their policies is, is another issue. It really is um, a frightening situation in South Africa, how incompetent our government has been. Really, the ANC spoke such big words uh, before 94. And, uh, well, you know, there are a whole lot of other things. That momentum from the Mandela era was completely lost as soon as Jacob Zuma came in. That joke... Joke, Jake the Joke. Uh, when Jake the Joke came in, the momentum from the Mandela era completely disappeared because uh, you had all of them Beckyites in local government and on uh, state-owned enterprises, in uh, national government, you know, directors general, and all of these sorts of things. As soon as uh, 
Jake the Joke came in and took over from uh, Tabo, the pipe smoker. Uh, well, anyway, people say he was more um, a ruler than a leader. Um, you know, he was never ever comfortable. He even wasn't even comfortable with his popularity. Um, uh, Tabo and Becky. People speak kindly about him. But remember when he was um, president of the country, how uh, what a campaign uh, the media waged against him because of his uh, of his AIDS stance. Remember, he didn't want to pay for AIDS, didn't want antiretrovirals allowed in the country. That's kind of like a crazy place we were with um, crazy Tabo as president of the country. Uh, but then you got old Jake the Joke uh, coming in. Uh, ten years lost Really, the lost years for South Africa, even more than lost years. I mean, uh, we, we lost in a double way. We lost because the momentum from the Mandela era was was completely dissipated. Uh, you had the, uh, Jake the Jokes people taking over in uh, local um, governments, uh, provincial governments, national government. And uh, they, they, that's when the real Mahosha came in, thanks to Jake the Joke. The whores really moved in big time into uh, South Africa's infrastructure uh, during uh, Jacob Zuma's presidency. Jacob Zuma the whore. Yeah, uh, that's the way I see him. Yeah, Jacob Zuma the whore. I mean, really, there's no other way to describe Jake the joke. Lost our momentum. Uh, but then at the same time, that was uh, it was uh, also the era when um, the Rothschilds man in South Africa um, and Trevor Manuel was introducing all of the machinery needed for the JSE to move across to this um, uh, carry trade environment that we have at the moment, the sick position, where we have to bail out consumers in the United States with high interest rates. Now, they should have high interest rates in the United States, but the pampered uh, labor aristocracy of the world doesn't like paying high interest rates. They like things for free in the United States. You know, every day must be a um, Oprah Winfrey moment. You know, you know the, the Oprah Winfrey, she would uh, you would call the audience in and say, yay, and look under your chairs. And they'd look under their chairs. They'd feel under their chairs. And there's a receipt for a Rolls Royce or something. Or, you know, they've given a free microwave oven or a, or a bus trip home or something like that. And they would go crazy. Yeah, we love Oprah. We love Oprah. Free stuff, free stuff. We want free stuff, and that's uh, that's America nowadays. The American dream has turned from uh, a family uh, with a wife and two kids, a picket fence, and two cars in the garage, uh, through to free stuff. Give me free, give me, give me, give me. That's now the new American dream. So uh, yeah, so you know, it's it's, it's not that easy a thing. Uh, but having a guaranteed differential between your interest rate and another country's interest rates really is an attractive option for uh, the whores of the universe to come and invest in South Africa and for the whores of South Africa to cater for their needs. And we, the consumers, have to pay the price with higher interest rates. Uh, remember, I keep on saying that uh, November last year, as we just slipped into a, a, a serious formal recession to consecutive quarters of declining growth you know you, you're supposed to increase interest rates because your economy is overheating and our economy was going into serious cooling down drive i mean you know you just moved into recession and your reserve bank raises interest rates then you know that the reserve bank isn't maintaining its interest rate or infl inflation targeting a lot of rubbish it is doing illegal stuff 
by foreshadowing uh, interest rate movements on the United States Fed. That is actually illegal. Lesetia Chaniago is doing illegal stuff as the Reserve Bank governor while demanding that the independence of the Reserve Bank must be protected. Then why aren't you implementing uh, an inflation-targeting regime, Lesetia? Hmm? Why did you raise interest rates last year in November when we had just entered a recession? That's not how inflation targeting is supposed to work. Anyone who studied first-year economics would know that, and I haven't studied first-year economics. I've just been in business journalism for so long. Well, I've got two years of an LB behind me, I suppose. Um, anyway, and, and I've got a good talent for it as well. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, we, we, we just enter into a recession, and Lesetia, the independent reserve bank, increases interest rates in South Africa. That wasn't done fairly. That wasn't done impartially. That wasn't done bearing the, the interests of the vast majority of people living in this country in mind. No, that was a good thing for the banks. It was a good thing for the mines. <clears throat> it was a good thing for international investors. It was a good thing for the government because the government can continue spending because it knows it's going to be bailed out by the, by the capital inflows into the JSE, which are going to pay for the expensive imports that it's doing for its machinery and technology for places, white elephants like uh, Medupi and so on. So the government gets bailed out. Uh, the mining sector gets bailed out. The banking sector gets bailed out. International investors get bailed out. Big, uh, big overfed Americans, pampered uh, labor aristocracy gets bailed out. But yeah, in South Africa, we are put under the cosh. Uh, marriages are broken up. Houses are taken away. The sheriff is uh, carting furniture out of the house while children cry and mothers weep. And the husbands go around the corner to the shabin and start drinking themselves into a stupor. That's what our raising and lowering interest rates, managing your economy with riba does. It is the enemy of love, and it's most certainly not impartial and fair. But our Reserve Bank says that we are impartial and fair. And fair to who? Impartial to who? Only to the sector that it represents, the banking sector and its buddies. The, the, the bought-out Mahosha in uh, Cape Town Parliament and... Uh, and the mining sector. Mm. There, there, there's a, 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 a trio of evil, an axis of evil, if you want. Uh, it's amazing how um, the capitalist system co-opts the political parties and forces politicians to break their promises that they make uh, in the lead up to uh, elections. Everywhere around the world it happens, and this is why. That is why the system requires it. Okay, well, ooh, we're getting really heavy here. Uh, Jazakamala, uh, we just got to go for a quick commercial break. Inshallah, once this word from the marketplace is over, we will be back. Marukas Sahaba, the voice of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum, welcome back. I was just thinking, you know, uh, while I was listening to those adverts, yeah, South Africans, we're our own worst enemies, seriously. I mean, uh, we, we, we're dealing with the JSE. Um, the value of trades in the JSE in the first half is down 40%. Uh, the number of trades has declined significantly. But at the same time, the JSE has been the world's top performing stock exchange uh, with values increasing uh, by over 10%. So you see, we're our own worst enemies. We're sitting here uh, with our, dabbling our toes on, on, on the side of the world's top performing stock exchange. <laughs> 
complaining, cursing the darkness, uh, but missing the opportunities, simply because we believe our own prejudices. Well, in actual fact, what are these prejudices? It really is interesting to look at them. Um, they have a very strong racial tinge. Uh, but, 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 but irrespective of race, the thing is that uh, traders, they like to uh, say that they are rationalists, you know. They work according to data. They are, they are data-specific. They won't make a decision unless the metrics uh, advise them to do so. So how is their ability to read the metrics um, shaping up when you're sitting uh, right in the world's fastest growing stock exchange and you're doing nothing? It is only because of prejudice. It's only because of fear. And I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we're talking ourselves into a knot here in South Africa. Yeah, we've got a problem government. Who doesn't have a problem government? Huh? Imagine if we had Donald Trump. You know, things could be worse. You know, we're not the most corrupt nation in the world. I mean, there's no, as I think by far, you know, no nation is going to get close to the United States, just in terms of the amount of quantitative easing it's given itself, its top bailouts, um, its uh, zombie companies like Chrysler and Ford, um, you know, these are the big slow-moving targets. Um, Unable to stay afloat without government subsidies, American farmers and un, 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 unable to produce without government subsidies, and all of these coming from that easy funny money that they've busy been funneling into the economy, showing no ability or inclination to repay it. Truly the most corrupt uh, government on earth, the most corrupt nation on earth is the United States, while now you know, conducting wars around the world also the most dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, you know, things could be worse. We could have Donald Trump as a president, or we could have Theresa May as a president, for that matter. Um, and we're sitting here right next to the world's most strongest performing stock exchange, cursing the darkness and missing out all of these opportunities. That's not rationalism. That's not rationalism. You know, really, South Africans, uh, are, we're, we're a poison society. We're a poison society, and uh, we really need to start reassessing the realities which face us. Group 5, which is struggling under business rescue, has also been ditched by external auditor PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, today after a raft of senior managers, including the chief executive, jumped ship this year. The former stalwart of South Africa's construction industry said in June shareholders are unlikely to get anything out of its business rescue process. The sector, including Basel Reed, which is also in business rescue, has succumbed to a dearth of major construction projects, mainly because um, uh, they, were, they were rife with corruption during the World Cup. <clears throat> Government ditched the construction sector as a result, and who can blame them? I mean, the construction sector, I don't know... Um, uh, diamonds, oil, or construction, which uh, are the dirtiest. You could say that construction is the dirtiest because, you see, you've got to construct diamond mines. You also have to construct oil wells. You see? Construction sector, probably the, 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 the most corrupt. Look at the World Cup. Everywhere in the world, what happened in South Africa is repeated in every nation. And at that time, the media is co-opted as well. Which reminds me of another thing. Why is the media saying, as, as I said yesterday, where is, where is um, Julius Malema? 
You can see how the, how the so-called independent media, the mainstream media, was co-opted in the World Cup. Where, where, where were the stories about how uh, stadia construction and corruption and contracts and kickbacks? Why wasn't the South Africans' um, media full of that? You'll notice another thing, even in the aftermath, after, the, after it came to light, not as a result of media activism, uh, that there'd been corruption in the contracts for constructing the World, um, the World uh, Cup stadia. Uh, the, the, the heat didn't come from the media. The actual heat came from the government uh, sector organizations. Uh, showing, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, the constitutionality of South Africa is still pretty, still pretty good. Um, but the media in South Africa really, I, I would say it's a, it's a bigger danger to South Africa than ESCOM. Uh, the media didn't uh, go after these construction groups. They didn't go after the chief executives like they go after Jacob Zuma. Uh, and, you know, uh, just as like say with Jacob Zuma when they were going for Jacob Zuma uh, with the arms deal. Uh, Thales, just a few years after those uh, allegations that had been paying 500,000 rand a month to Jacob Zuma while he was deputy president, Thales was given an, another contract uh, to... Uh, Construct a missile defense shield for South Africa. Boy, <laughs> I wonder where that has gone. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So you see, the corporate sector is always protected by the media. Uh, they claims to be impartial. But of course, they, you know, just like Jacob Zuma, Amahosha. Uh, so, yeah, the Group 5 and Basil Reed can complain that uh, life is hard. But the, th but the fact of the matter is they paid bribes in order to get the business with the World Cup. The government uh, doesn't view them in a favorable light, and justifiably so. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, government investment has tapered off, and that is hurting the country as well. Um, uh, but at the same time, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the construction sector, it can only blame itself. They didn't get rid of capital equipment in the aftermath of the World Cup. They didn't uh, get rid of the costs of book fast enough, and uh, now many of them are paying, paying the price. Uh, Group 5 says, um, PwC PricewaterhouseCoopers today has resigned as its external auditor because the contract had become too risky for the professional services firm. The resignation of uh, senior executives from Group 5 and key finance staff has increased the risk for PwC of continuing as the external auditors. In June, Chair Nonya Meko Mandindi resigned, along with the three non-executive directors, including a former chief executive, Mike Upton. Group 5 made a total loss of $1.8 in the eight months in February. In the year to end June 2018, it made a loss of $1.3 billion, while in 2017, its losses were about $800 million. So PricewaterhouseCoopers is waving goodbye, probably because they're not going to get paid. <laughs> No, no, well, I mean, you know, if uh, you don't have a chief financial officer, if the chairperson is gone, if the chief executive has gone, I mean, uh, who's going to be signing off the results? Who's going to be overseeing the results? Uh, and if there are dodgy things in the results, PricewaterhouseCoopers doesn't want to have all of the stuff hitting the fan and blowing back onto it. The United States trade deficit jumped to a five-month high in May as imports of goods increased, likely as business restocked ahead of an increase in tariffs on Chinese merchandise, overshadowing a broad rise in exports. 
the wider trade deficit reported by the Commerce Department Wednesday added to weak housing, manufacturing, business investment and moderate consumer spending, suggesting that economic growth slowed in the second quarter. The labour market also appears to be losing momentum, with private employers adding far fewer than expected jobs to their payrolls in June. The slowdown in activity as last year's massive stimulus from tax cuts and more government spending fades could prompt the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates this month. So this is another reason, actually, why Donald Trump is asking for low interest rates. He lowered taxes last year, mainly to all of his buddies in the swamp that he said he was going to drain. He gave all of those people um, uh, massive tax, tax breaks, while uh, the hillbilly supporters, uh, those uh, redneck um, bucket-driving guys uh, from Texas, were going, yeehaw, yahoo, yeah, man, give us some moonshine, and we're going to head off down to Rio Grande to make sure that the Mexican wetbacks are making their way across the border. Imagine, that's, uh, that's it. Well, I mean, Donald Trump did say before he became president that if he ever did run for president, he'd run as a Republican because the Republican supporters are the most stupid in the world. And so they're proving to be. Um, as the more stupid Donald Trump gets, the more he's liked by his base. Uh, the slowdown in activity as last year's massive stimulus from tax cuts and more government spending fades could prompt the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates this month uh, uh, under massive pressure from the Trump man himself. The U.S. Central Bank last month signaled it could, see, could ease monetary policy as early as July, citing rising risks to the economy from the trade war. So you see, if Donald Trump wasn't waging the trade war, there'd be no, no need to cut rates. So, you know, all of this is all contrived. The United States is purely an artificial economy now, uh, really. Um, uh, it's got an artificial currency. Uh, it's got an artificial monetary policy. It's got an artificial uh, trade policy. In fact, uh, even, even, even a tax policy or a fiscal policy, it's all artificial. And no one intends paying back any of the money. Yeah, I mean, the differences between Jacob Zuma and Donald Trump are very difficult to tell, you know, when the light is fading, and as it is in the United States. The trade deficit surged to 8.4% to $55.5 billion just for the month. Um, in Tito, when Tito Mboweni was uh, paying off the apartheid government's slush fund uh, for death squads and uh, arms embargo busting uh, prior to 1994, Kristols left him with a $25 billion uh, um, uh, hole in his uh, forward, uh, forward trading book, his RAND net open forward position. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's more just accounting nonsense. And that, uh, that's how Tito when he paid for the trade deficit. That's how it was all sort of legalized or hidden away. Um, so Tito Mboweni, while he was paying for apartheid's death squad's uh, debts and bills, um, he had to pay of $25 billion. It took South Africa's economy like four years of major pain when uh, the, the, the rand slipped to around about fourteen fifteen to the dollar. That was like a major pain in those days because the rand before that was around about four five to the dollar. That's in the, between uh, 98 and 2003. Uh, in those years, it took four to five years to pay off $25 billion. The United States economy... Uh, 
racked up a trade deficit of $55.5 billion in just one month. So it would take us eight years to pay that back. Eight to ten years it would take our economy to be able to pay back that $55.5 billion trade deficit that America notched up just uh, last month. You know, uh, you've got cities in the United States that have got bigger budgets than our national budget. Yeah, yeah. Gives you an idea, huh? Mm -hmm of uh, relative values in the world. The trade deficit, as I said, is on 55.5 billion for May. Uh, the goods trade deficit with China, a focus of the Trump's America First agenda, increased 12.2% to $30.2 billion. So of the $55 billion trade deficit, $30.2 billion was attributable to mainland China, with imports rising 12.8%. Trump imposed additional import tariffs on Chinese goods, uh, but it doesn't seem to be doing much good. <clears throat> Trump and uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping last week agreed to a trade truce and a return to talks. However, the tariffs remain in place. <clears throat> uh, it's $250 billion. I don't know if the $250 billion remain in place or if the $300 billion remain in place. It may be trying to read me between the lines. Uh, my reporters are not as good as they used to be when I was a real ace report in my young days. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, so I'm not quite sure if the 50 billion, you see, uh, Trump initially uh, implemented uh, 250 billion dollars uh, worth of uh, tariffs on imported Chinese goods. Uh, and then when that didn't seem to make any difference to China, uh, he increased it to 300 billion. So now I'm not too sure if he's cut it back to 250 billion or if it is still 300 billion. But you know, the markets were cheered on Monday and uh, Tuesday they started uh, worrying. And now today they're even worrying even more. You're having a look at the gold price because it looks as though uh, this is one thing that's not going to go away. Uh, the United States uh, seems to be engaging in a fight that it's never going to win because basically it's in a fight against uh, mathematics itself. Okay, so they so they agreed to cool things down a bit, uh, but the trade tensions have called wide swings in the trade deficit, with exporters and importers trying to stay ahead of the tariff fight because of the two between the two economic giants. So basically, people are saying the United States hope against hope they. Sucking this idea out of their thumbs. No, well, you see, uh, in anticipation of increasing tariffs on Chinese goods, uh, U.S. manufacturers have uh, stocked up on uh, vital supplies from China that they need for their manufacturing processes. So uh, in anticipation, you see, that's why the import surged. Uh, maybe the cost of the import surged because you'd uh, gotten slapped tariffs on all of it. Maybe that's why your import bill is so much higher. Hmm? I wonder if everyone's thought about that one. I haven't seen any indication that they have considered that. But nevertheless, uh, the goods imports increased 4% from $217 billion uh, to $217 billion. That's uh, the total import bill. Apart from drawing more imports from China, imports from the European Union, Mexico and Canada increased to record highs in May. Imports of consumer goods rose $1.4 billion, while those of motor vehicles and parts soared $2.3 billion to an all-time high. There were also big increases in imports of capital goods and industrial supplies and materials. All right. Civilian aircraft exports rose 0.5 billion. This is a major sector for the United States. Gains are, however, likely to be capped after Boeing in March suspended deliveries of its fastest-selling Max 737 jetliner, and uh, no one appears to be all that interested in uh, taking up more orders on that. You know, it keeps on crashing. Um, 
Shares of Tesla Incorporated jumped 8% Wednesday after Elon Musk, the CEO, made good on his promise of delivering a record number of electric cars in the second quarter, quelling fears about demand for its sedans and SUVs. Now, uh, prior to this, all everyone had been saying, hey, he's not going to be able to make his, uh, meet his production quota. He's not going to be able to make it. And uh, there was a sell-off of, of, of the stock. Uh, of course, uh, Elon Musk is a bit like the the, the Donald Trump of Wall Street, you know. Uh, his crazy tweets. <laughs> I don't know what's been happening there in the rarefied air of the billionaire area, uh, but uh, something seemed to have been tickling his brain, and he's eventually been uh, been persuaded uh, n- n- not to uh, issue any more tweets, and he seems to have gone quiet on that front. Uh, good for Tesla. Uh, good for himself as well, I suppose. Uh, Wall Street analysts and investors have raised doubts about demand and the Silicon Valley automaker's ability to sort out recent delivery issues, particularly after a disastrous first quarter when deliveries slumped 31%. Uh, Roth Capital analyst Craig Irwin said they are increasingly comfortable that they should reflect an even better in the third quarter and probably the first 100,000 in a quarter. Uh, Tesla delivered a record number of 95,200 vehicles in the second quarter, beating analysts' average estimates, but did not comment on when it would return to a profit. Shares of Tesla were set to open at the highest in two months, up to Tuesday close, so the stock had lost nearly one-third of its value so far this year. Tesla's first quarter was hit by logistics issues at its international port and the drop-off in U.S. orders after a tax credit was halved, which spurred concerns that Tesla may have tapped a limited market for electric cars at premium prices, meaning that uh, after that it's uh, only downhill from there onwards. But I think that was overdone. Uh, While Musk has been trying to convince investors that demand remains high for Tesla cars and delivery could be made efficiently, some analysts remain skeptical about Tesla's ability to deliver on its promise. Well, it delivered with spades. The chief executive has repeatedly said Tesla could deliver a record number of cars in the second quarter, beating the 90,700 it sent to customers in the final quarter of last year, and so it did. It sent 95,000. In the quarter, Tesla delivered... Okay, okay, enough of that. All right, so they are strong numbers, and it's looking really good. Uh, uh, should we? We don't actually have time to go in. Well, maybe we do. Let's give a uh, let's give it a shot. Old Mutual has brought out a report on the U.S.-China trade war. It makes makes for interesting reading, so we'll share it with you. Financial news was dominated over the past week by the run-up to the meeting between the presidents of China and the USA at the G20 summit in Japan. President Xi Jinping and Donald Trump agreed to allow negotiations to resume, but the tariffs remain in place for now. It is clear that the relationship between the world's two largest economies, which has shaped the global economy in many ways over the past three decades, is changing permanently. It's too soon to tell how much, but for now, investors are a little bit more relaxed. Oh, uh, yeah, really? Well, I'll tell you what, the, the gold price doesn't seem to uh, reflect that. The reshaping of global supply chains with multinational shift, shifting production out of China is likely to accelerate, irrespective of the outcome of trade talks. This partly reflects a trend which predates the Trump administration that saw rising labor costs making China increasingly unattractive. China won't necessarily mind this, as it does not want to be the world's manufacturer of cheap basic goods forever. It prefers to climb, uh, to continue its climb up the value chain and to become a leader in cutting-edge technology, especially in the emerging fields of artificial intelligence, 5G and electric vehicles. 
It's doing this so well that alarm bells are ringing in Washington. Although Trump has made a lot of noise about the U.S. trade deficit with China, lurking in the background is a seeming desire to limit China's raise, rise as a strategic competitor. Lurking in the background is a seeming desire. Well, you know, when it comes to Old Mutual, Old Mutual doesn't like to tread on toes. But when even Old Mutual says that this is actually the real reason why America is focusing on China, because it wants to remain as the world's sole superpower. Well, then, uh, you know, it gives credence to nutters like myself, I suppose. Uh, the decision now suspended to block China's Huawei from using U.S. technologies, including microchips, should be seen in that light. China's biggest weakness is its dependence on the import of microchips and other electronics, as well as oil. The two leaders called a similar truce in December after meeting on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Argentina. Negotiations seemed to be proceeding well in the following months until early May, when Trump accused China of backtracking on some of its commitments and introduced new tariffs. Nice to see that they're blaming Trump for that, but in actual fact it was, uh, it was China that caused that final hissy fit by Trump. Um, uh, they, they were going along nodding, 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 or nodding, and suddenly they sent the, 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 the draft trade deal back to the White House with 1,500 objections. <laughs> you don't think of 1,500 objections overnight. So um, I think uh, this has been a deliberate move by by um, by China. In fact, you know, if China was playing poker, that was a brilliant move, really. You know, when you call another guy's bluff by raising the ante to such a degree that really speaks confidence uh, about your belief in yourself. And uh, the United States, uh, Donald Trump was left owing and owing on his Twitter account as a result of that. Really, there was a, like a slap in the face for Donald Trump in front of his own staff in the White House, really. Um, you know, because he had, he had put so much of his own personal um, uh, cred, credit, on the line with this trade deal. You know, ads going on, the master of the deal and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so he, he had made himself like the master of America's destiny. And when the China slapped him in the face, it was there for all to see. Yeah, so this brought discussions back to square one and marked, sparked a market sell-off. The sell-off was fairly brief as major central banks indicated that interest rates were headed lower. That's the interest rates in the United States. Tucked away in the headlines was a report in the Financial Times that the Austrian Republic, a country that came into being uh, only a century ago following the collapse of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, would issue its second 100-year bond. Long-lived investors holding the bond to maturity will earn only 1.17% a year in euros. Now, you know, the longer a bond is, the greater discount you can ask for it. So this is as much as the Europe is able to pay, 1.17% discount. That is like so stingy. It's, it's so miserable. It's like, oh, South Africa, we've got 8% discount on our bonds, the short-term bonds. Not, no, no, not, we don't even have a 100-year bond, I don't think. We've never had a 100-year Well, I don't know. Maybe we do. But you see, uh, that tells the story. The global benchmark uh, U.S. 10-year Treasury yield fell from 2.16% to 2% below the current Federal Reserve funds rate, having started the year 2.5%. Germany's equivalent yield hit new record lows at no minus 0.3%. So the government has got to pay you to take out a bond, while Austria turned negative for the first time ever. Yeah, so uh, that'll tell you. On the other side of the world, the other country famous or rather infamous for having issued a 100-year bond was Argentina. 
Um, it issued at a dollar yield of 8%, same as like South Africa, basically. Uh, on its second anniversary, the bond was trading at 72 cents to the dollar. Uh, so, like, you know, you send it at 100 cents and it's selling at 72 cents to the dollar. That's a 28% discount, 28% discount, whereas, uh, you know, uh, Germany's got a minus one point something percent discount. South Africa's big problem is a lack of economic growth. And my big problem is I'm running out of time. Okay, we've got to cut it off for today. Jazakum for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to is be profitable. And above all, halal. Assalamu alaikum. Warahmatullahi wa barakatuh.